Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruce Banana FC podcast where today we're going to be talking about Arsenal's 2-2 draw of Spurs at the Emirates Stadium. My name is Luke. We're going to have a slightly different one today because of uh, a collection of some people on the team have been live and actually going on holiday and also time difference. It's just myself today. But we're going to go through all the talking points. We're going to speak about the game, the ins and outs of it and what it means for Arsenal's season. So please stick around and I hope you enjoy it. So let's talk about the lead-up to the game, because I think most Arsenal fans, myself included, were pretty confident coming into this. Spurs have been giving up a fair amount of XG. They looked good, and you can tell, you know, Ange Postacoglu has instilled a belief in that team, and they've been playing brave, free-flowing football. And, you know, you can only give them fair play for that. Obviously, they were never going to be a complete walkover, but I think when you look at where they've played so far this season, you can see there's chinks in that armour. You can see that they have given up a, like, a fair amount of XG, especially in games against the better teams like the Brentfords and, you know, I use an air quotes, Manchester United. So I did think that it was going to be a case of we don't really keep clean sheets at home, so they probably would score. But I thought that at the end of the day, we'd overrun them. And it didn't really happen. And we have to talk about why. So obviously leading up to the game, we played the PSV in the Champions League. We won comprehensively. Spirits are high. Um, Obviously, Martinelli was always going to be a huge miss. But I think that Trossard had come in and deputised for him well. Like obviously, he got the winner against Everton, then he also played real against PSV. And then to lose him so soon to the start um, of the game is a big blow because I think not just because we're losing Martinelli, who I think would have been electric in this game, especially with where the spaces were, and not just because Trossard had done well, but I also think that it potentially removed the, the possibility of Gabriel Jesus playing as a central forward. And I think that he's so important for us in that area. And I don't want to start necessarily a full-blown narrative about Nketiah. I don't think he had the greatest game. I don't think that's particularly unfair to say. Some may disagree. I don't think he was bad either. I don't think he was the overarching problem either. But I think that more so than saying that Eddie is is bad, which he hasn't been this season, I think he's actually been pretty decent this season, I think that Gabi Jesus through the middle is really, really transformational. And to lose that threw off possibly our balance a little bit. But, you know... Going into the game, I still felt confident. I still felt really positive. I thought we could still hurt them as long as we played our game. And I think, if we're being honest, we probably weren't able to play our game for for as long a period as we needed to. We maybe like the first half an hour or so, we played really, really well. We were able to get the ball in in good areas. Saka was able to get it against Udogi really, really nicely and easily. But it felt like after we went one 0 up from the the Romero own goal, the the tides changed really, really dramatically, and and that was the the catalyst of of what the game became because it became a bit of a tennis match. It became something where we weren't able to take control and we let it become a basketball match. And, you know, in previous matches, especially last season, like when we went to Spurs away and we were able to control the game, like those are the games that you kind of base the the level that we've set now, the, the level that we expect us to be at. And yesterday wasn't that. So let's talk about the tactical battle of it. This season, Arteta has been a huge fan of that box midfield where we've seen Declan Rice sitting there with one of the inverted wing backs, which was Thomas Partey coming in from right back 
and more recently and probably more effectively has been Zinchenko coming in from a left back and then we play one of Havertz or Vieira along with Erdegaard ahead of them with the back three of what has mostly recently been Gabriel Saliba and Ben White behind them and then obviously we know that Spurs have their own version of, of their kind of narrow midfields where you know they have Udogi and Pedro Porro as the wing backs that very very commonly come into midfields and when they come into midfields their two central midfielders, Basuma and Saar, kind of go wide and they really rely on those combinations and that quick passing and that quick movement to open up the space. And it's very, very brave, obviously. And we were able to catch him out a few times. You know, Gabi Jesus should have made it 2-0 after nicking the ball off Madison in the, in his own box. And it's fine margins, isn't it? Because when you're not playing at your free-flowing best and you get these chances, you've got to take them because, you know, we saw yesterday what happens. We, we got bitten, so... I think one of the really big things was the timing of Spurs' first goal, the 42nd minute, a period where I think an Arsenal at the level that we are should be able to control that, that part of the game a bit better. It's it's about having that personality, that quality, that composure to to know when you can keep the ball, to know how to not let them put you under pressure for that period of time because you go in at 1-0 and... You can have a different plan. You can reset. You know that they're going to have to be a bit more honest coming out into the second half. You can almost kind of plan for it and prepare for it. So to concede in the forty-second minute is a, is a real, real dampener. And I think the the the, just the fashion of it as well, because obviously there's been a lot of talk over the goalkeepers. Aaron Ramsdale, I think, I think he he's tended to concede what I call soft goals. And but by this, I don't mean that he makes flat-out mistakes. I just think that. When you're ranking him up against the best of the best, I think there's a lot of goals he concedes where you think, I ah, probably could have done a little bit better. And I think Raya falls into that category a lot for that first goal where just after performing an amazing save from Brennan Johnson, by the way, and we're in a period where we need to see the Raya that we saw against Everton where when we were under a bit of pressure, whenever he got the ball, very composed, he made intelligent short passes that took the pressure away from us. When the ball comes in the box... He's usually so good at catching it. We saw that at Brentford. And it did feel like in that period of time before the first Spurs goal, even he was flapping at things. And it was meaning that we weren't able to kind of get the ball down and get control back because the because it wouldn't stick with him when it went into the box and it went back out and tracked Spurs, learned to get back in the box. Madison um, gets past Saka really well. And to be fair, it's a really, really good finish from Sun, but it's avoidable. And I think that is the big, the key point to this is a lot of, as well as Spurs played and they played a good game, a lot of the joy they got was from us making mistakes or us doing things that were completely avoidable. And how does this affect the whole goalkeeping situation overall? Because we have Brentford away on Wednesday in the EFL Cup. You'd imagine Ramsdale's going to play that because Rose played the last three games. And if Ramsdale goes in against really, really good Premier League opposition in Brentford and has a really good game, then what does that mean for Bournemouth away on Saturday like how close is this battle I know Arteta has been very very clear that he doesn't want to make it a number one versus number two battle he's alluded a lot that he may even change goalkeepers inside the same game so how close is this going to be like how much are they actually going to rotate if they're not 100% convincing in the games that they play we hear a lot about the stylistic differences in both these keepers where a lot of the thinking inside Ramsdale was his long passing and we've seen to great effect over the last few seasons, how good is it that? And then people talk about Raya's short passing and his ability to catch balls, like how that can factor in games. So I I can see that, of course, there is potentially going to be games where we think 
stylistically this keeper works better for this plan and this keeper works better for this plan and in a landscape of football where goalkeepers are becoming more and more envisioned to do outfield player things and affect the game more in that sense then I can see how that can grow and evolve but at the same time I think that you struggle to come away from there being a number one and a number two and if Ramsdale plays against Brentford and then Roy comes straight back in against Bournemouth then it feels to me it's hard to argue that at this point in time at the very least right is quite clearly and distinctively the number one because you know this guy played not only the Everton game but then he played the first game back in the Champions League which is a game that I think Arsenal were very very clear that they wanted to field the best team they possibly could in it was almost kind of like a landmark day for Arsenal in that sense and then he goes in in the North London derby is it really arguable that he's the number one at this point? And how is that going to work? So that'll be really interesting to see. But getting back to the game, there was a very, very massive thing that happens during the halftime break. Obviously, Declan Rice came off with a, a back injury. We don't know at this point in time how long he's going to be out of this injury. But obviously, it's such a huge, huge miss because the way that we've played this season is so reliant on having that one player in midfield that can cover ground. Declan Rice does that, Thomas Partey does that. At this point in time, both of them are out. Both of them can win challenges, they can win the ball back, they're technically good enough to receive the ball. And when he comes off and Jorginho comes on, admittedly, it, it shook me a little bit. Not not so much Jorginho coming on, it's more Rice not being there because then essentially you've got Jorginho in that six, you've got Zinchenko coming in to play in midfield, Havertz comes on for Vieira and you've got Odegaard there. And to me, that that is a, a almost a midfield four of players where it's not lacking application but you're just missing like legs do you know what I mean like especially in that Zinchenko Jorginho area you haven't got that one player that can make that that lung busting sprint that needs to get to someone to to, to cut someone out in in transition and win the ball back and as illustrated by a tweet that James Benjamin saw he puts out a the second half pass map for Arsenal where you kind of have Jorginho sitting there and Zinchenko is really wide Havertz is really wide um, Erdegaard is, is close to Saka and you kind of have Enketia who is really essential but just isn't having enough touches or influence on the game so it did just feel like we left Jorginho on an island because we didn't have the tools to pivot away from this how do we fix this going forward if if Rice is out for a sizable time I don't really want to speculate that it may be the case but if he is out for let's say at least a few games then how do you combat this I think possibly you replace Nchenko with Tomiyasu and have Tomiyasu come into that kind of pivot area whilst playing Jorginho as the six, at least then you've got a player that has that, that physical acumen, somebody who can cover ground, win the ball, but also still a decent technical player. I don't think it's an ideal pivot, but I think that it may be something that the club considers, um, unless they can think up a completely different plan. Can we continue with that box midfield with Havertz and Odegaard, or Vieira and Odegaard playing as those dual tens, if you haven't got someone behind them that can fix that transition threat? And we saw that a lot in the second half against Spurs, where... It felt like whenever they got the ball, they were able to slice straight through us. And we saw it even, even kind of more clearly after we won the penalty and Saka scores the penalty and you kind of get that wave of relief where you think, okay, we've got something to defend now. And then straight away, Jorginho is really ponderous on the ball. He gives it straight away. Madison and Son combined to score. And again, I just, you sat there thinking, game management, he just scored just be safe on the ball. Spurs will have to commit more people forward the, the longer we keep this lead. And to give it away in that fashion, in that quickly, is so underwhelming. Because it's, it's, 
it's, it feels like something the old Arsenal would do and not something that you'd attribute to this new Arsenal, this new title-challenging Arsenal. And the expectations we now set on this team because this is a team that we expect to challenge for the title. You know, we set those standards last season. We reinforced well in the summer. Obviously, right now we do have injuries. It's, it's, it's impossible for you not to reference that in any telling of, of, of yesterday's game where, you know, if you have Jesus down the middle and Martinelli down the left-hand side and Declan Rice plays a 90, then the game possibly goes very, very differently. And maybe we, we're here celebrating a, a brilliant win over Spurs at home rather than talking about uh, a disheartening draw. But th- that is the way it is. Sometimes you have to find a way to win and we were able to do it against Manchester United. But we weren't able to do that yesterday. And I think that is something that we have to look at going forwards in dealing with this better because last season our title challenge was completely derailed by a few injuries. We are definitely more equipped than we were then, but maybe not well equipped as we need to be because we're still early in the season. The you know, most of the competition haven't come in, we've only played one game in the Champions League and it still feels like we've got people dropping like flies. So we have to find a way to deal with it. And I think we have to talk about balance as well because we've struggled to find that balance with the box midfield at this point in time. We've been dominant in a lot of games. Like we hear a lot about the field's tilt. We've been dominant in most of the games. I think that in a lot of ways we've been better than last season. I think defensively at points we've been better. We've been better consistently defensively, but we've been let down by moments. And that was the case in the Fulham game, in the Man United game. It was the case in the Spurs game. So that is the big thing we have to cut out. But at the same time, we have to make these pieces work. We spent a lot of money on the likes of Kai Havertz in the summer, 60 plus million. He's been brought in to be that guy. He's been brought in to be that left-sided 10 that makes runs into the box, scores goals. I don't necessarily expect him to massively affect games. I don't think that's what he's there to do. I think it's very much an off-the-ball role. But I do think that we're looking at this point in time of a player that is bereft of confidence. Like He's under-hitting passes. And as the games are going on, you're kind of seeing less and less those those runs into the box. He's, he's It just feels like he's not really around it. So I do think that one of the big things we need to do is we need to get some confidence in this guy because as even though Fabio Vieira has done fairly well since coming in, he's not the same type of player. He's not the player with earmarks for that role. We need to have a player that, that in that role is able to make those runs into the box and score goals. And I think Havertz has the skill set to do this, but we have to we have to kind of lift it out of him and, and it may take time, but I think it's probably completely fair that people are pretty <laughs> fearful of, of his current performances because, I mean, you know, you give every player time. It could be in two months' time, he's whacking him for fun and and we're looking back at times like this and thinking, wow, how, how was he ever this unconvincing? But we'll just have to wait and see. I think that's a really good place to leave it on a very somber Monday after... Not the worst result in the world, but still feels very deflating even a day later. But thanks for listening this far. If you have gone this far, we're going to be back with a preview for the Bournemouth match at the weekend. We'll also be talking about the Brentford game. My name is Luke. This has been the Bruce Banana FC podcast. Thanks very much and up the Arsenal. Odegaard is joining in and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka! Oh, Saka. Oh,